Saludos and salutations, Broncos country, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. I'm your host, Adan Diaz, and joining me as always to my right is at Richie Richie. Richie, how you doing today, my friend? Not bad. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Richie. Thank you very much. But uh, Richie, we've got a lot to talk about today on today's uh, show. Unfortunately, things did not go the way that everybody in MHRT expected them to, and not just MHRT at that rate, everybody in Broncos country. So got lots to talk about, folks. But before we start getting into the recap of the Raiders and Broncos game, just want to remind you guys that if you like what you're watching and listening to, whether you're watching us live or listening to us after the fact, please make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Click uh, uh, subscribe on YouTube for, to get live notifications whenever we go live. And as always, Broncos Talk goes live every single Tuesday at 7654. And we also have our flagship show, which is the MHRT Network show. It's the podcast with Mr. Boggins, myself, the boss, Mundungus, and of course, uh, Glenn Hauser. And you can catch that on every Thursday at 7654. And we also have the Nothing Rhymes with Orange and Blue with our good friends, Johnny and Isaiah. That airs every single Friday at 7654. And then, of course, we have the pregame show, which is The Neighborhood, which features random cast members from MHRT as well as special guests that airs every single uh, a few hours, an hour or two before every single uh, Broncos game. Except for this week, which will have a very special episode since the Broncos play on Thursday. So, guys, make sure you click notifications, get live subscriptions so you know whenever we go live and you never miss a single minute of the show. So, Rich, with that being said, let's get into the recap. I mean, it's uh, I don't think there's anybody in Broncos country that was able to watch that game and not swear or throw something at, at, at somebody because, I mean, it was just that that bad. And uh, I mean, for me personally, Rich, I, I had to watch the highlights again because, it, and even though it, it, it kind of was hoping that, you know, it was for a different uh, result, but unfortunately it didn't happen. And a lot of people in Broncos country are starting to call for Vic Fangio's job as well as uh, Pat Shermer's. And from what I saw in different pictures, there are people in the audience that day, in, in attendance, I should say, that actually had banners that said, fire <laughs> that server uh, i saw that too um maybe before we get into all of the stuff there i'd like to thank everyone for joining us today that is live here in the chat uh nice number of you on youtube thank you very much uh that is a platform we are really wanting to grow here at uh, mhrt network so if you are new to the channel on youtube checking us out live or after the fact we would greatly appreciate a subscription on youtube and if you'd like notification there's that little bell you can tick as well so we have a few people here uh we have uh, ivan diaz uh, I, 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 that's my cousin. Yeah. I assume that's a really. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have Mobad. Thank you very much for joining us. We have uh, Matthew Olivio. That name is not as familiar to me. So, Matthew, if you are new, thank you very much for joining us. And if you're not new and this is just a first time that maybe I've noticed you live, uh, apologies and thank you very much for joining us again. We have Avatar in the house. Thank you very much for joining us, Avatar. It's always a pleasure. We have Mr. Boggins and Dave Glassman that I've seen here as well. There is also uh, from Facebook, uh, Jerry Holland. Thank you very much for joining us today, Jerry. And if any of you have any questions that you'd like to ask either myself or a six foot 10 Mexican, please go ahead and fire those in the chat and we will get to them as soon as we possibly can. 
And with regards to your comments earlier about what is effectively what you probably watched, which most Broncos fans were referred to as the low light reel, um, it, it was hard to watch. It was rather painful because we all expected to see more out of our Denver Broncos. I think we all kind of saw what was happening in the last two games where we saw a bit of a slip in production and some kind of cracks in the foundation from what we saw from the previous three games. But I don't think we, I don't think anyone from Broncos country expected the performance, if you could call it that, that we saw on Sunday against the Raiders. I think we all expected more. I mean, the thing that really bothers me, Rich, is how in the world does a Vic Fangio defense in its third year where it's supposed to be elite like it is on paper when you read the names as we've been reading all offseason how does that not translate to the, the the playing field you know I can understand if we were in the same predicament where we were last year where we had injuries if they were especially if they were nagging injuries but it, 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 it that's not even we can't even use that as an excuse because it's not it, it hasn't happened I mean, so far for the third straight week, the Broncos secondary has given up a big pass play, almost in the same opening drive, if I'm not mistaken. They did it against the Ravens, against Hollywood Hollywood Brown. They did it with the Steelers with uh, Chase Claypool, if I'm not mistaken. And then they did this one with Henry Ruggs as well. Now, I, I will try to give some credit to Darby because this is Darby's first game back. But at the same time, if you're if you're healthy enough to go out there and play, you should be healthy enough to know who it is you're covering and who it is right. that you're dealing with, you know. And it wasn't just Darby that got burned on that play, Rich. It was also uh, who was it? I think it was Kareem Jackson who also m- tried to make a diving in, uh, batted pass play, but unfortunately he just it got past both of them. So th- the defense, the secondary especially, needs to wake up because this is something that. It's it, it's 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 not tolerable. It's it's un. I don't even know what the, I almost said a bad word. It's just not right. And you know it all starts with the defensive line. The defensive line, I, I, it was almost like they weren't even there. You know, Derek Carr's jersey was a lot cleaner than Teddy Bridgewater's by the end of the day. And that is something that in Broncos country standards will not stand. Was that a segue to Teddy being injured? Uh, I mean, that, that was that was pretty seamless. So, so nice job there. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if, how many of you saw some of the pressers after the show. I, I sadly, I actually watched them right after the game, so I mean, it was pretty fresh seeing everything right after. And uh, taking a look at, uh, at how Teddy was walking, it was clear to me that that he was in pretty legitimate pain i mean i don't know if you saw the rails on the way down from the stage if you ever if you saw any of those Mm -hmm. replays yeah but he was he was using those as crutches and i can only remember one or two other quarterbacks in all the years that i've watched the nfl who have been healthy enough to kind of walk on their own up to the podium to have to use the rails on the way down you know just because of their injuries and he happens to be one of them and that was that was that was pretty sad to see actually in terms of uh you know your starting quarterback having get hit that many times that he's he's limping down the stairs yeah and you know what rich and i you and i talked about this before we went live just now and it's something that i totally agree with that i heard on broncos country tonight and that's the fact that even though teddy bridgewater did throw for three touchdowns he also threw for three interceptions and Bridgewater is supposed to be the veteran, the guy who's not supposed to be making those type of intercepting plays. 
you know, that's the kind of play we were getting from Drew Locke. And, you know, getting three and three out of Drew Locke was a bit of a, you know, like a, it's, you know, it's even. But, you know, the whole reason they gave Bridgewater the job was so he didn't make those kind of mistakes. He was supposed to play like he did against the Giants, like he did against the Jets, like he did against uh, the, the Jaguars, you know, that careful football play. And unfortunately, and also Bridgewater held the ball way too long. And he knows it. His offensive line knows it. And the offensive line was getting bullied and beat at the point of attack almost every single snap. So as much as it hurts me to see Bridgewater kind of limping and, you know, just in in other words, beat up, it it kind of just in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but there were he was kind of he knows that holding the ball is, is dangerous. And not only did he throw three interceptions, Rich, but he also lost a fumble. So he had four turnovers on the right. day, you know, and not even Drew Locke has had four turnovers, you know, knock on wood as or yet as a Broncos. So and the Broncos just, again, trying to play from behind, trying to catch up, trying to play hero ball at the very end at the at the end of the game. That's not who the Broncos are. The Broncos are supposed to be a team that when they lead, they hold the lead. They keep the lead. The defense is supposed to go out there and limit the damage that the opposing offense is trying to do. So until those things start to come to fruition, this team is in really, really big trouble going into Thursday night. You hit a little bit on what I saw in the Raiders game, too. There's a bunch of stuff, but um, both sides of the lines were weak in terms of what they were able to do. Um, I also don't believe Pat Shermer did us any favors at all in that game either. Uh, I was saying on our uh, get our pod last, uh, last week that um, I really thought that Shermer, if he really wanted to uh, get our team back into a rhythm and show that he was a capable offensive coordinator, I felt that he should have reverted back and gone more towards what he was doing in the preseason with the flanking tight ends. I didn't see a ton of that at all, and I also didn't see us attempt to run to the outside, leveraging that those tight ends on the outside of the tackles to try and spread that interior rush of the Raiders. We were seeing the interior rush on the Raiders in particular just blast through the whole interior offensive line and the Denver Broncos. That was really rough and quite hard, tough for me to watch, just because it was a bit of a a way back playback from like two games ago where we saw uh, the Ravens do that to us as well, where we looked pretty bad on the interior for the first game in a while. And we also saw a little bit of that happen to us in the first three games of the season. So you kind of thought we were past that a little bit, or at least to a point where you were more serviceable there. And uh, we made no, we made no adjustments. We made no uh, substitutions and we didn't change how we were playing. And yet, we were surprised. I wasn't once I saw it was on the field, but Shermer was seemingly shocked and surprised that the result was the exact same. Yeah. And uh, let's get to some of the comments and questions we have here from our audience here, Rich. When we'll kick it off here with EJ saying Broncos need to upgrade players and key positions and the coaching staff. We need players that are not soft and play like little sissy girls. So uh, can I, can I just take that real please. quick? So I agree. Um, however, EJ, if I can also jump in here, uh, and I want to add a bit of a caveat to my comment saying, yes, I agree, because I was quite eager to say yay, but you need to know who you are first. And what I mean by that is, I think what we've seen so much of the Broncos do is they pick people that think will be good, 
but we're not picking them for um, a specific purpose or a specific look or identity. So when you look at the defensive side of the ball, Vic Fangio runs a specific style of defense. I happen to believe that there's a few people on the defensive line that don't necessarily fit Fangio's uh, style particularly well. And I think that that's on our front office for picking those people to have on our team. Do I think some of those players can be really good, maybe in other teams? Yeah, in a different scheme. So you need to have the right people on your team to fit who you want to be. Do the Broncos want to be a passing team? Great. Well, then you need a specific style of offensive lineman that's good in pass protection. And maybe you can forego a little bit on the run on the run blocking and hopefully develop that part of their game with a guy like Mike Munchak. Yeah. And EJ also adds, we got embarrassed at home on our own field against a team without a head coach. And the reason I, I brought this comment up, Rich, is because this right here at the very end of the game, I think this to me is what probably pissed me off the most is the fact that not only did the Broncos lose, but they lost to a team without uh, a head coach, which is probably going to go down in NFL infamy for the Broncos for you know forever so i mean if there was anything that i think vic fangio should have been pissed off that about that fact as just as he was pissed off two weeks ago about the ravens running a play instead of going for victory that passion for that moment that should have been replicated for that sentiment right there he should have been angry at the press conference and he should have been embarrassed and he should have been just i mean because it, it it shouldn't have happened it really shouldn't, especially for a guy of Vic Fangio's caliber. And to me, I think the one thing that Vic Fangio has to do is he has to give up calling the defensive plays because he's not up in the booth anymore. He doesn't have the, the bird's eye view that he used to have uh, in previous years before he became a head coach. He needs to let Ed Donatel call the defense because I believe that that would be the first step in trying to fix this, de uh, this, defense, this defense and bring it back to... You know, just bring it back to being the, the great defense that we know it can be. But for some reason, it almost feels like everybody's playing in in different coverages or in different positions that either they're not accustomed to, or that they, they're just it, it's it's not their it's not the the best of their ability. You know, like kind of having Von Miller trying to cover wide receivers. You know, stuff like that. And now that we're down two starting li uh, inside linebackers, Rich that sentiment is even means more now than when we started back in week one some of the other decisions at the inside you kind of brought in the inside linebacker so i'll kind of bring that in first um when we lost josie jewel he was having he was having a really good season and i was i'm not gonna lie i was actually quite surprised at how good of a season he was having because he looked uh rejuvenated he had a extra you know, pep to his step, if you will, this particular season that he did not have in previous seasons. And I was pleasantly surprised. And I will be the first to admit that I was not a huge fan of Josie Chul the past couple of years because I felt that he was slow and he was and he wasn't able to make up that speed or uh, leverage his intellectual ability um, enough to make up for the lack of speed that he had. Whereas I saw him not only be quick, but also be sharper with his decision makings. And it really put him in really good spots on the field. So, I mean, I have to give credit where credit's due. He, he had some really good games for us. Unfortunately, he got hurt. And then uh, Alexander Johnson uh, got hurt the last game. You saw the play. I, I know that, uh, you know, watching the highlights, you may you probably saw it where he was kind of grabbing his peck on the side. 
he was stretched out to try and get the ball right near the sideline. I think it was Ruggs actually. No, it was uh, Kenyon Drake. Sorry, mm-hmm. that was on the uh, on the outside route there. Uh, Alexander Johnson stretched his arm out. You could see him kind of grabbing his his peck there. But that was pretty early in the game or early-ish in the game. So you do need to give some credit where his credit's due, where he toughed that out and played the rest of the game injured. And I know that's a kind of a faux pas in today's NFL, but I have a lot of respect for a player that uh, is willing to put himself on the line to try to better the team. And, you know, it's unfortunate he got hurt. But we lost an inside linebacker who was clearly of, you know, starting caliber uh, last week just before the game to get picked up by the Titans, uh, who actually just beat the Bills, which I'm shocked about, but mm-hmm. uh, they beat the Bills. And he he could have been a potential person to fill in at that spot for us uh, to kind of have a bit of a, it was a Kaiser, you'd have Kaiser, um, you'd then Sternad. have uh, Sternad, and then you'd have, um, and I can't remember the guy's name now off the top of my head, but he was a starting caliber inside linebacker. Yeah, uh, right now the Broncos are in a position where uh they 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 need to do something and you know george payton is a name that we haven't really mentioned since the beginning of training camp because you know we we were all excited we were really happy with what we was able to what he was able to do to bring together uh you know obviously not a lot of people were were happy with the way he handled the whole thing with philip Lindsay, but aside from that we were all really ecstatic into you know going into the season so now he needs to do something where he needs to help that defense out because as uh, you know the Broncos can can scout for inside linebackers you know through waiver wires and and whatnot but I don't think that there's anybody unless you trade for that can be of the caliber that Jewel and Johnson provided these last few weeks so if George Payton really wants to get this defense back in track and try to salvage this season, he might have to go and find a, a, a team to trade with. To, you know, And it doesn't have to be something really huge per se, but it just has to be something where it's like, okay, we got a guy. Sternod is still, you know, he's kind of teeter-totter at the moment. He's not the best inside linebacker, but he's not the worst either. And we just need to rebuild that depth at that position. If we're able to, um, to to beat the Browns th- this uh, coming Thursday, which we're going to get into a little later on in the podcast here, um, then I think George Payton may be more inclined to do something like that. I do believe, though, if we lose this game this upcoming Thursday, that Payton will probably be less inclined to try to run out and sign a bunch of inside or, or a inside linebacker or trade for an inside linebacker mm-hmm. uh, simply because... Uh, we might just have to suck this up with the season right now and roll with our rookies, see what they can do, see if they can improve, get an idea of where we're at. Because from a George Payton perspective, who you would think that, you know, coming at the end of this year, Elway's in his contract year at the end of this year, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember uh, my math is correct on that one, um, it would stand to reason that Elway would be out the door uh, Peyton would be on his own given his contract situation and this would be Peyton's time to evaluate our young players that we have on this roster to see if he needs to what I guess to what degree he needs to make moves in the offseason uh, you know what this should be now um, there was a, an interesting comment here that I would actually like to bring up and I know it is going to come off as somewhat negative to some I, I actually think it's a, just a sentiment that I've seen pretty much throughout both Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else 
And I'd like to know everyone's thoughts on this. So uh, Ricky, thank you for joining us today. And I appreciate uh, you commenting here. Uh, Ricky's comment is get rid of the coaches. And, and I've lost I know, maybe five or six exclamation points just to drive the point home. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think this is an interesting comment and sentiment because this is really something that's been pretty prevalent across the board for Broncos country. Um, I'm very curious of what everyone here thinks. A, if we are, if we were to make a coaching change, who do you think it should be, and who do you think would have the greatest impact? And do you think we should make a coaching change at all? Because I think those are some big questions at Broncos Country. While there's been some infighting and, and kind of bickering back and forth, I don't I haven't really seen that civil discussion to kind of get to a point where we can kind of all agree on something. So I'd be curious what everyone thinks. Yeah, you know what, and I'm also going to quote something else that I heard also on Broncos country tonight. And that's the, basically that, that same sentiment, because if you fire the head coach, you're during. basically, yeah. During the season, you're basically telling the team that that's pretty much it. That's, you, you know, that that's just the organization. That's just the team saying we're, we're, we're done. We're not going to go to the playoffs. We're not, it, it's just going to be whatever, you know, offensive coordinator position aside, that's different. So I think that with with that idea in mind, I think that the Broncos are going to hold on to Vic Fangio till the end of the season. And then on Black Monday, he's going to probably more than likely be one of the first casualties to go out the door if the Broncos record is even worse than it was last year. But on the other hand, with Pat Shermer, if Pat Shermer doesn't win this Thursday and Vic Fangio's seat is already hot as it is and it's going to get even hotter should the Broncos lose, He's going to have to either fire Shermer, so, you know, use him as the scapegoat, or he's going to realize it, or they're both going to go down with the ship at the end of the year and, you know, try to keep Denver in a high, not not super high, like single-digit draft pick spot, but, you know, they could decide to give away a couple players, get some draft picks, uh, rework some. I mean, it's it's still too early to tell, Rich. Especially with right. another, especially with an extra game this year, because the the Broncos are are not out of it. If the if the season ended today, folks, the Broncos would be the seventh, seventh seed wild card. So, yeah. you know, let's just keep that in mind. It's still only we're going into what is it, week seven? So there's still plenty of football left to be played. But make no mistake, folks. It needs to the the mistakes, the errors that we saw on not just on Sunday, but the last two weeks, they have to be fixed because we are going to have to face this Raiders team again in about a month's time. We have uh, an entry here. I just want to quickly go through a couple comments and I'm going to bring up uh, the bottom one there that I'm sure you, sure you saw just come in there, uh, six foot ten. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Boggins added a point, a question of clarity to my previous kind of general comment to the group. And that is, uh, was I suggesting the question to the group as being in season, or like as of now or, or later or after the season? And I was more directing my question for in the season or mid season. And uh, and so I just wanted to kind of add that point of clarity. And thank you very much, Mr. Boggins, for uh, taking the time to join us uh, this evening. Um, and that brings me on to the Raiders Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank you for joining the show. Uh, mm, always thank love you, thank you. Uh, the uh, opposing teams come in and, and join us and ask questions and interact. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Raiders Daily Podcast comes in. The Broncos have a good defense. They're over. 
they're overlooked the Raiders in my opinion. So they overlooked the Raiders. I mean, I'm not sure we overlooked the Raiders, but I, I can certainly see how it may have looked that way on the field. They thought they were getting the Raiders that played the Bears. Hope you guys have a great day. Well, I, thank you very much for the civility. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, I, I happen to, I don't think we necessarily overlooked the Raiders. I just think that there were certain position groups that we didn't adjust to match the level of intensity that the Raiders have, particularly on the interior defensive line. Uh, that interior of the Raiders defense is legit. They, they really, really did uh, show why they have done so well this year. Um, was it Max Crosby? I mean, he seemed to be high-fiving Teddy Bridgewater and sacking him you know, from time to time as well for most of the game. And, you know, that really shows that there's some skill on that uh, on that interior of the line there. Mm -hmm. And you know what? To kind of play off that point from you, Raiders Daily Podcast, the reason that the Bears were able to make Derek Carr uncomfortable is because that interior defensive line. I mean, you had Robert Quinn, you had Khalil Mack, you had uh, Goldman those guys were able to get to Derek Carr and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. And Carr is a pocket passer. You make him uncomfortable, you take away his ability to look down the field and throw the ball. The, the Bears secondary, while they might not be the, the best in the league, they were able to get the job done and keep the Raiders uh, at bay. And that's something that the Broncos front D-line couldn't do. If you look back and watch that play, Derek Carr had almost five maybe a little bit more than that seconds in the pocket to find a receiver and throw the ball you know whether it was Waller whether it was Renfro whether it was Ruggs it, it really didn't matter and towards the end of the game you can almost tell that the Broncos defense they in the red zone they kind of just gave up like they weren't even trying they, they knew Kenyon Drake they knew that the running back was going to run the ball in, and it, it didn't look like they were trying to to you know to try to stop the play and hold them to a field goal so 100 yeah so that that has got to change and unfortunately all the high hopes we had for mike purcell and shelby harris uh and even draymond jones they have not lived up to par especially shelby harris who, who got a nice big fat contract from george payton uh we haven't really heard his name a lot being said these past few uh weeks so for him especially that needs to change big time Justin Simmons has also seen a drop off in his production compared to where he was last year. Um, he had a lot more tackles and pass breakups and things like that as well. He also was, so he had what, four interceptions, I think last year. And so we're nearing kind of that first third of the season. So he should have at this stage of the regular season been between like one and one and a half to kind of match his stats from the year prior. You'd also hope from someone who's getting paid as the second or third highest safety to have shown and uh, maybe even another level within his game rather than uh, an even or regression. So I think it's fair to make a, a general statement like that. Um, if To answer my own question from previous, I was really hoping to get uh, kind of an influx uh, of folks here. Uh, Dave Glassman in with an answer to the question there, which I appreciate. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Dave. Um, yeah, so this is actually the most interesting one. This came up, I believe, um, our last show uh, when we were kind of coming into the Raiders game and there's, it's come up a few times on, on some other podcasts as well uh, all Denver Broncos related um, I think we've all pretty much come to the conclusion that Shermer is at least a problem for our team and so I'm of the opinion 
slightly differing from what uh, Boggan's comment was in the in the chat there, where he was indicating that he kind of felt that we should probably stay. I think he, if I read correctly, he thought we should probably stay, but but status quo, just because it was going to be, he, you know, the the person that came in was going to be calling the same plays. I actually agree with that comment. I think they will be calling a lot of the same plays. I really think they will, but uh, what I think that they can also do is call them in the right order. And I think that they can also call them with better flow. And I also think that if we were to look at the end of this Thursday uh, game, if we see more of the same stale and stagnant offense, we have a bit of an extended period of time where a new offensive or a new offensive coordinator who's, you know, to Boggins' point, is simply just going to be a promoted coach on our, our own team. Yeah. Um, whether it be Dave Glassman's choice here of, of Shula, um, Shula, I believe, is the most natural choice uh, given his uh, his past and history. Um, the, the one guy that I really like is uh, Zach Azani. I, I really think that he could be a, a great option for our team. Now, in my opinion, and this is mine and mine alone, and others may disagree, and I'd love to hear your comments, is if you go with a guy like Azani, you need to be extremely careful because the team really likes him. And other teams really like him, both at the NFL and the college level. So if if you promote him, you need to be pretty sure that you think he's going to be your, probably your offensive coordinator even for the next coach that you bring in. Because as a team, you don't want to lose someone who is clearly shown to be a quality coach. And you, you don't want to promote a guy to the interim OC and then try to have him come back as a wide receivers coach. Because most likely that's just not going to happen. That's going to be seen as a step down. Yeah, Travis Tarbox, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Travis, says, thank you for coming. Thank you. Still, he says, still not sure why we aren't running the ball much at all. And uh, Travis, that's a very good point, and that's something that Rich and I also talked about before the show. And pretty much the Broncos kind of ran the ball in the first half, but because the Broncos were trying to play catch-up, they had to get away from the run game, and that just forced Teddy Bridgewater to you know heave the ball downfield. So when you have to throw the ball to try to get a touchdown instead of, you know, running the ball and eating clock, that just kind of takes away. We didn't have any amazing plays from Javante or Melvin Gordon this, uh, this past sun, uh, Sunday. So it, it, it took away from them. So he had to take away from them to try to give to the wide receivers to, you know, try to uh, get ahead and catch up with the Raiders. But unfortunately, the Broncos offense couldn't couldn't do it and the Broncos defense couldn't stop the the Raiders offense and it just went downhill from there so it it it, it just it it wasn't good I I agree and now just my kind of two cents on that is I think that we went away from the running game before we started turning the ball over I saw us start to really move away from it as soon as that long shot there to uh it was either Drake or then the second one to Ruggs where they hit on that long one that landed them eventually into the end zone. Mm. We were not that far behind. Uh, this is the second game in a row where Shermer, I think, has kind of seen a long pass on the defense. And in my opinion, he's kind of looked at that, eyes bulging out of his head and saying, well, now i got to throw it all over the field. I, I think that some restraint from Shermer uh, is going to be needed in those circumstances and situations where he needs to stick with the run. And I think he also needs to start getting us running a little bit more to the outside and sealing the edges to try and mitigate the interior uh, pass rush of these better uh, interior defensive lines. No, totally agree. So guys, uh, unfortunately we're going to have to put this game in, yeah. you know, behind us because like I said, every team has a bad game. 
Unfortunately for the Broncos, they've had more than one per se, but this one was probably not the not not the best. So uh, Rich had to step out for a second. So uh, gonna run things until he comes back. So guys, with that being said, uh, let's get into the Mahai Mountain. Uh, basically, uh, when Rich comes back, uh, he'll he'll give you his take on it. But I guess for me probably the very top of the Mahai for mountain for me would probably be uh Saubert uh because he did have that really really good play on special teams and that's something that we don't hardly say in Broncos country that special teams made a fantastic play and that's where he was able to recover the ball and give the Broncos uh the ball back and try to keep the game within reason uh, so for me Eric Saubert is gonna be the top of my mountain uh, honorable mentions for that would probably be Noah Fant, only because offensively he did he played really good. Uh, he had a touchdown and he had almost a hundred yards, if I'm not mistaken. Not exactly a hundred, but close. But unfortunately, the blocking for him, there was one play where he totally ran past the defender and just the defender went and caught Melvin Gordon behind the line. So the blocking and the recognition still needs a lot of work for him. And uh in, in terms of the, the summit for me at the very bottom, it would probably be the, the coaching staff once again. I mean, Vic Fangio and, and Pat Shermer and, and the defense, all three just put together, just building a, a village down there at the bottom of the freaking uh, of the, the mountain because, I mean, it was just, it was bad. It was terrible. And probably honorable mention in terms of bad play would be the offensive line. Uh, you know, not being able to open up running lanes and not being able to protect their quarterback to the best of their uh, ability. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I actually have I have the interior offensive line. Actually, I just have the offensive line uh, making up the uh, the general population there at base camp for for that game. Um, I was gonna put Sutton up there. Um, I had a few issues with. I felt that uh, as a number one wideout, there was that one throw where he stretched out and it basically hit him in the hand. I know it's nitpicky. I, I kind of do expect a number one wide receiver to have that one uh, or at least run a cleaner route to get there. There was the second and the third one. Don't get That was not on Sutton. That was a, just a horrible, horrible throw by Teddy Bridgewater and I'm certainly not putting that one on Sutton. But there was one where he stretched out and it actually hit him clear in the palm. I felt that Sutton should have had that one as, you know, given the fact that he's an NFL wide receiver and he's looking to get that big paycheck at the end of the season, mm -hmm. being on a contract year. So my summit, I actually had Caden Stearns again. I just felt that he played limited snaps and, and most of those plays where I saw him on the field, he was making a play or doing something that you want to see out of the safety on the, on the field there. I really think we just need to get him on the field a little bit more, especially as you see um, a combination of Jackson and Simmons both kind of having mediocre performances overall in, in certain plays. So I think it's going to be really good for our team to help develop a young guy like Stearns to step in if and when. I mean, we've already seen injuries occur in our team, so why not get a guy like that who's playing well, more playing time to get more and, and kind of prove more production? No, and I totally agree. I'm sorry. And then I have, I have uh, Javante Williams on my ascent. The entirety of the offensive line in my base camp. I don't think any explanations are needed for either of those. And I have my plane ride home as Pat Shermer. Um, I, 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 just, I, I just do not know 
how else to put it, uh, you know, more clearly is the fact that, in my opinion, the easiest potential way for the Broncos to turn this season around for me is not to fire Fangio. He is a, a he is a great defensive coordinator. I think he needs the right players on his defense in order to install his system. So if you want the if you want the number one way that I think that we can turn our season around this year as the Denver Broncos, I think is to start replacing the offensive coordinator after the Browns game, have another guy step in and start tweaking things. And then when we go into the bye, more changes can actually be installed and implemented that are maybe, you know, that new offensive coordinator's own. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it could happen, Rich, but there's a lot of good teams that we have to play before we get to the bye. We still have to play the Cowboys, I believe. Uh, Washington, I believe, is on that list. And I forget who the other, I think the other, the other one's Philly. I'm not 100% so, so sure. Do you think uh, Shermer's offensive scheme is going to hold up <laughs> against the Washington D-line or, uh, you know, even our other divisional opponents on their D-lines? Because I don't think it will. And I think a different offensive coordinator would help put our quarterback and our offensive linemen in better positions to at least better protect our quarterback. I mean, he's already gotten killed in the Raiders game. So I just that's kind of where I'm coming at from from that perspective is that we've already seen what Shermer has. I don't disagree with you. It's not a great move. Great teams and good teams that have the right coaches on the rosters don't do that. The thing is, I don't think we have the right coach on our roster. So I think we need to do that. No, and I totally agree. But uh, uh, guys, unfortunately, it, it, it happened. The Broncos lost again to the Raiders. And as we start looking, and as we start looking forward to the next uh, upcoming matchup that Rich is going to lead us into, let's just remember that when we come back and face these guys in a couple of weeks, that we remember this moment and we go in with an even better idea and more passion and try to strive for a victory when we face the Raiders again in Las Vegas. I agree. Uh, I just want to thank uh, all the Raiders fans who came in and uh, were ma- you know, making some comments and having some uh, great productive conversations. We appreciate it. Anyone else from the Raiders, uh, we'll have another uh, podcast focused on them as our divisional opponent. <clears throat> you are always welcome here to start getting into robust conversations on the divisional battle that we have between the Raiders and the Broncos on an annual basis. And with that, guys, we are going to move into the Hot Five. This week is the Hot Five on the Browns. And here we go. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, what's up? We're the Dogs Podcast out of Dover, Ohio, Cleveland Browns Podcast. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Blake Reniker. Over here, we got Josh Hall. And right here, directly to my right, we have Justin Charles. Typically, we have a fourth get guy, Zach Cop. He got hung up at work today, so we couldn't get him in. But here are your five reasons why. Uh, sorry, can we cut? Are we live? <laughs> five reasons or five things the Browns need to do to beat the Broncos. I, I'm getting over nailed. Yeah, awesome intro, man. <laughs> uh, okay, so number one, uh, we're going to start off with run the ball. Um, Going into this game, the Broncos look like they're very, very good against the run. If you look at them as a, you know, statistical, there's, I want to say they're sixth, seventh in the league against the run, but their first three games were against the Giants, um, the Jaguars, and the Jets, who, if you look at the stats, they're not good. 
No. Now, when they went against a real deal running back like Najee Harris, um, Baltimore, they gave up some yards. So, if depending on who we have as our running back on Thursday, uh, obviously no Kareem Hunt. Uh, Probably we, no Nick Chubb. Yeah, I, I I, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, maybe a little bit of the earnest whatnot Johnson. I guess we'll see. I think you got to get healthy on the line. Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, you know, attack that really, really good, uh, you know, rush defense. All right. Well, then I'll just uh, step in here with the second one. I'm going to go with the old, uh, we need to communicate a little better on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary. There is way too many wide open uh, number one receivers for other teams getting uh, free down the field on us and just wide open touchdowns against this uh, supposed elite Brown secondary that has yet to be seen. Yeah. Uh, the third thing we need to do is obviously this is kind of goes for every team. We can't turn the ball over. We saw against the Cardinals, three turnovers in their side of the field led to points for them every single time. Our defense isn't at a point right now where we can give them extra possessions, free possessions, great field position. We have to limit the turnovers, um, especially with the way we need to control the, the clock this game and run the ball. We can't afford to give away possessions because we might not get many of them. Just to chime in on that too for you. So we gave the ball away a lot against the Cardinals. The Broncos had, I want to say, three turnovers against the Raiders. Teddy had three picks, yeah. yeah so All right. both teams coming in a little turnover prone. <laughs> so uh, the big one, another uh, another one for defense. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> trust me, as I was sitting at the game yesterday, um, all I saw was uh, us get loud, you know, obnoxious, really rambunctious, shut down that offense, and then they would just get a first down every time. <laughs> I probably stood up about, you know, at least 15, 16 times, and that was the uh, outcome every time. I'd love to see the defense, you know, stop the run, get off the field, you know, maintain good third downs. I feel like it's always third and one, third and two, and if it is long, they just throw on us and get a first down anyway. Be nice to, you know, Contain, contain those offenses. The Browns are pretty good against the run the first few games of the year, yes. but it's just that passing game that it, it didn't seem to matter what what down and distance they, they were picking it up. Yeah, so we got to get off the field on third down. I think you said we were 22nd in the league in uh, third down efficiency right now. Teams are converting at a historic clip against us. It's terrible. And if they took fourth downs into consideration on that, we'd probably be even worse. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, Miles Garrett's got to take over this game. I think if you watched Sunday Night Football last night, you saw what happens when your best defensive player takes over a game. Strip sacks lead to wins. TJ Watt completely took over that game last night. Chris Collinsworth made a comment, something along the lines of, you know, your your best players make the best plays in the right or in the big situations. And I just thought, well, who is that for us? It's got to be Miles. He has to be. The defense is coming in way more healthy than the offense in this game. He got $150 million in the offseason. He's got to live up to that contract. This is a game where he's got to put the team on his back and say, I'm not going to let us lose. I'm going to go. I'm going to cause mayhem. So I'm looking for Miles to step up and have a big game. So that's the five reasons, as stated by the Dogs podcast, or five things the Browns need to do to be able to beat the Broncos. We'll see if we can do it. Um, We're coming in really, really banged up. No excuses, though. This is the NFL. Next guy up. And, uh, I think we got some avenging to do from losses when I was five years old. <laughs> I completely agree. You know, they they took our, our our Super Bowl from us, Denver. They took it. We had the drive and the fumble. Uh, thank God I was only like a year old for that. I just lived through twenty years of no winning. Yeah, 
I think we uh, all three did, but you know, it'd be really fun to watch the Browns Broncos Thursday night football. Absolutely. I'll National be there. stage. Blake will be there. I'll also be there. Yep. Time to get a win. Yep. You know what? As I was watching that, I was thinking I was thinking the drive in my head and <laughs> it's like they read my mind. It was freaking crazy. Uh, but shout out to those guys. Thank you guys so much for giving us your uh, uh, hot five takes to the dogs podcast. Uh, <clears throat> but they pretty much uh, they pretty much put out some really good points out there, Rich. They did. And that's, and that's basically that they're probably one of the most beat up teams in the NFL right now in terms of injuries. And they have to really be careful who they set out there, because if somebody's injured and it's something that. Uh, as one of them stated that it's the it's a it's the NFL it's the next man up but unfortunately right now every single team is not at a point where they want to risk trying to get a loss because with every single loss a team accumulates that knocks them further down the the pecking order in terms of you know even though we're not near the playoff standings yet it it you don't feel it now but you will feel it later on when those standings do start to take effect so the Broncos need to take advantage of the fact that the you know they're all beat up and that Baker Mayfield might not be able to be a full goal come Thursday and that they're going to have to resort to playing Case Keenum, who, as a lot of people in Broncos country remember from 2017, was the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. I, I also think we need to remember that the two starting running backs, uh, as far as I know, are both out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should help our uh, run defense, even though the Browns offensive line is, is actually f- fairly good um, and, and certainly within the upper tier of the NFL. Um, and our quarterback, though, to kind of flip the script on that comment with regards to Baker Mayfield, our quarterback is also not in particularly spectacular shape now either going into this game. So uh, I, I actually made a comment earlier today on Twitter saying that... Um, it might be an interesting time where we might actually see three quarterbacks on the active roster for the Denver Broncos, depending on where Teddy's health is coming into this game versus the Cleveland Browns, simply because if Teddy is not in great shape um, or if he's barely getting on the field, a couple decent hits would probably knock him out of the game, unfortunately. And our offensive line had struggled against really good pass rushers in previous games as well. So we very well or may well need to have both Locke and uh, our uh, third stringer who is uh, infamous within the Denver Broncos fan base in uh, Brett Rippon uh, step in. Brett is actually fairly good at adjusting and making adjustments at the line and and reading defenses very similar to Teddy Bridgewater. So it would be interesting to see who the coaches potentially put in if they have both of those guys active. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that uh, the Broncos need to worry about is Miles Garrett. As the the gentleman in the Hot Five mentioned, they paid Miles Garrett uh, Miles Garrett a lot of money, and he's pretty much disappeared since their uh, game against the Bears, where they totally wrecked that offensive line and made Justin Fields stay a pretty bad one for that day. So the Broncos' offensive line, even if it means they have to double team a guy like Miles Garrett to keep teddy bridgewater standing upright and you know make a make a play then that's what needs to happen so they can't take that for granted because like they also said the brown uh, the browns offensive side is the prize the one that's more beat up than their defensive side so this is a game where the broncos offense has to tiptoe and not force 
the the ball down the field like they tried to do with the Raiders, especially if they have to try to play from behind. The Broncos offense needs to make sure they have to get back to the running game, first of all. Let's let Javante and Melvin Gordon chew up some yards. Let them chew up clock. And even if we have to resort to uh, Brandon McManus getting field goals, that's perfectly fine. But we cannot have another four turnover game where Bridgewater throws three interceptions or Bridgewater fumbles or anybody in the offensive side fumbles the ball and gives the Browns the ball back in uh, and, and just makes our defense's job a lot harder for that drive. I agree. We seem to have a quarterback suggestion coming in here from uh, Dave Glassman. Uh, does anyone know what Chad Kelly's up to these days? Um, <laughs> I don't think, I I think, think he's, he's a vacuum salesman, actually. I think he's playing for the Canadian Football League. He's playing for some other league. I saw his name in the in in the news not too long ago, but he's not in the NFL. He's playing for some other football league. I think it's up in Canada, up in Richie's neck of the woods. Uh, if I remember right, I, I actually think he, it's either him or I can't remember which other quarterback. It's one of them is up here uh, with the Thai Cats, I think. Manziel? Yeah, that's who it was, a Manziel. He's up at the Thai Manziel. Cats. And, Manziel, sorry, and, not Manziel. So, so Kelly, <laughs> Kelly is in the CFL, I'll be honest. I don't know which team, but uh, I know Manziel was up here at the Thai Cats for at least a while if he's not already. If he has, if he hasn't left already, he I think he was with the Thai Cats. And, CFL as a as a knack for trying to pull in names and, and whatnot from the NFL to attempt to bolster the league a little bit more and uh, get a little bit more uh, international recognition. Yeah. So basically, the Broncos' defense, especially if uh, the one thing that Baker Mayfield has that works against him is his ego. Uh, you know, a lot of people have seen his uh, his commercials, which you know I'll, I'll admit are funny. But at the same time, I don't feel that uh, that Baker Mayfield has reached that status where he can make those type of commercials and still be called an elite quarterback. So that's one point that I've always agreed with Colin Cowherd on is that his his ego is higher than where his fame should be. You know, if he'd have went to if he'd have won a Super Bowl, totally different. You know, then all that stuff is it's more like an added perk. But I, I have a feeling that Baker is going to go out there and he's going to try to prove a point just like he tried to do against Arizona where he should have the right thing for him should have been if he was really, really, really hurt. He should have stepped out and should have let Case Keenum try to rally that team to come back and try to beat the Cardinals. But unfortunately, and that goes and this goes for any single NFL player out there when they tried to play through an injury. 99% of the, the time, you're only going to make it worse. And, you know, and like you stated earlier, Rich, kudos to Alexander Johnson for staying the whole game and playing through tough. But I'm pretty sure that because he did that, his torn pec got the, the, the injury got even worse. And then that. Oh, for the sure. There's, no way, there's that. no way you're playing an NFL football game with a torn pec and it's gotten yeah. better. over the Yeah. Course of the game. And it, or it's like, oh, you know, we'll see you in two, three weeks type of thing. So, right. You know, unfortunately, right. it, it sucks that both of our inside linebackers fell to the very same exact injury almost a week or so apart. So, guys, this is a uh, this is a game that we're we're going into. We we can't take for granted. Just like we took for granted last week that we were going into the against the Raiders just because they didn't have a head coach, that the team wasn't going to be able to have their head on straight and that they weren't going to be able to execute their offense correctly as well as the defense. Hey, 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 don't lump me into that crowd. <laughs> I, I was never in that group. I, I always felt I have I have a few 
folks that I touch base with the Raiders podcast and I've actually been at Raiders daily podcast and I have actually communicated a little bit on Twitter and, and whatnot. In my, in my opinion, the Raiders, um, tailspin week, if you will, was the Bears game. And that was the general consensus when you actually listened and spoke to some of the Raiders fans as they felt that that was their, that was the week that really hit the players in the locker room because that really caught them off guard. And then against the Broncos, they had kind of had the entire week to digest it. And when Gruden resigned, uh, it was more just the thing that they expected, I suppose. But all of the plays and stuff were implemented. They were running the same playbooks and that sort of thing. So I don't think the players were as impacted. I don't mean that they weren't impacted, but I don't think they were as impacted as the Denver media hoped they were and as fans hoped they were, because I think that happened the week before. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting game here, Rich. And it could be where, you know, the, the Browns and the Broncos are neck and neck for most of the game, you know, it, depending on what condition Bridgewater goes in there and, and plays with. It, it You know, both teams are, are beat up. Both offenses are, are struggling, as the, the guys in the Hot Five mentioned. But I do believe that the Browns have it worse than, than Denver does. And both of these teams, after the fact, are more than deserving of a mini bye week because Lord knows that the Broncos could use some rest, especially since they have to go three more weeks against three different teams before they actually get their bye week. So I agree. I agree. uh, uh, So the defense, uh, but going back to what we were saying earlier, Rich, the defense, they have to step up. They, they have to start making these plays. The interior defensive line has to play better. And I actually want to get to a comment that our good friend KB has stated for us. And he says, what did you think of Von Miller's statement? Thank you, KB. I don't know who the tackle I'm going against is, but I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I saw that. that that's been, that's been re... Um... It's been, it's been it's been converted into multiple graphical iterations of the comment already on uh, on, on on you know the Twitter memeiverse, if you will, uh, which which is great. However, um, I like to see that fire, and I think it's really important for the team, you know, the team's most veteran uh, leader who has won it all before, to start coming with that kind of a fire, that kind of fire, and trying to motivate the team. Most importantly, though, and I, there's been several players that have said this, but the most important thing about a player like Von Miller is you need him to actually the, 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 the Dogs podcast said it pretty much best. Your best player on your team for us, that is Von Miller. The best player on your team has to make big plays and big moments in key games. And. After losing to the Raiders, if Von Miller can step up and make a few key plays and big moments against the Browns, he can be a different enough of a difference maker for us as the Denver Broncos, where we could have a legitimate shot at actually beating the Browns. And if Von Miller can, you know, bring into uh, reality the uh, the statement that he just made there, and really wreak havoc havoc on the offensive tackle that he's going up against, it could happen. Yeah, and you know what? This uh, when he made that comment, Rich, it kind of reminded me of when he made that same comment uh, two, three years ago when we were going up against Arizona, right? And that to me is kind of like the sentiment that I believe he's he's just basically trying to you know 
get the energy back up in Broncos country that got totally lost and deflated after that game on Sunday. So I don't blame him one bit. And I actually do hope we see that side of him because, you know, Von Miller was named the the AFC player of the month last month. And then after that, it kind of just went a whole different direction. We haven't really heard his name at all for the last three games. So if there was anybody that needed to, you know, kind of get that pick me up energy and like, hey, you know, rally the defense or whatever, it's Von Miller. So I know right now he's playing without Bradley Chubb and you know, I, I, we can't state this enough. We sorely miss having Bradley Chubb out there on on the defensive line and just, you know, being that just menace that, that Chubb is able to be when he's out there healthy. And it's pretty ironic that both, both Chubbs, you know, Bradley Chubb and Nick Chubb are not going to be in this game, seeing as how they're related. And this is probably the, the would have been the first time out of, uh, I don't know how long it's going to be before the Browns and, and Broncos face each other again. Where They played once, I think, before already together. Oh, did they? Or against each other once. Now, oddly enough, I think Bradley was hurt then, though. Oh. And I think wow. Nick was I think Nick was healthy, Bradley was hurt. Now they're both hurt. So. <laughs> yeah, except Nick Chubb, I believe, at this point in time is still questionable, per se. I know uh, Kareem Hunt is completely out. He's already been put on IR for the next three weeks. And it it sucks me saying that because I have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> and he helped me win so many games these last few weeks. So for the next three weeks, I got to kind of steer the ship clear until he's able to come back. But anyways, I digress. Um, I had Leonard Fournette last week. Ah, oh, you lucky guy. <laughs> uh, guys, as we start getting closer to the end of today's show uh rich and i just kind of want to re go re go over our our five points on what the broncos have to do to beat the browns and that's basically limit the turnover battle as the the guys in the in the segment said bridgewater actually gave up four turnovers and it wasn't just three they missed the, the one fumble he had so they have to limit the turnovers the broncos defense they have to play better Von Miller, the interior defensive line, they have to make the quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket. Hopefully it is Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield is going to be struggling out there. And if it is Case Keenum, then hell, it'll be Case Keenum. But whoever it is that's going to be calling the, the, the plays for the Browns, the, the defense has to get, they have to get the turnovers. They have to get strip sacks. They have to force the ball, the, the quarterback to throw the ball and they have to make plays. The offensive line, they have to play better. They have to protect, especially with Miles Garrett being on the opposing side. So uh, if it's Teddy Bridgewater that's going to get the start, he has to stop holding the ball for so long. He has to go back to being the Bridgewater that we, you know, fell in love with weeks one through three. And he can't be out there trying to play hero ball, especially if he has to play catch up. And, and, And probably my last point is Pat Shermer, He's got to go out there and play like his job is on the line because I literally believe if the Broncos lose this game, that his job is he should be fired come Friday morning, if not sooner. So he has to go out there. He has to go back to being what the Broncos do best. We we have to see what we have in Melvin Gordon. The, the Broncos are paying him $8 million, and so far he hasn't played like an $8 million quarter uh, running back. And Javante Williams, has he, he's a breakout star. 
but he's not getting the time and he's not being handed the ball because Pat Shermer is getting away from the run. So with those points in mind, guys, that's what I think the Broncos have to do to get a victory over the Browns. So I'm going to be pretty quick here. Um, some of mine overlap with yours just because I think some of them are just so obvious that, you know, they just are. Um, better offensive line blocking. I'm also throwing Fant into there. We've seen several plays over the last several games where key sacks have occurred uh, on King and on Fant where he's either whipped on blocks or not blocked at all. There's a, again, there's a gif on, on Twitter that you can kind of see or a video on Twitter where, where Fant just bless a guy, like he just runs past a guy, doesn't even chip him. And it actually ended up in a, in a tackle for loss. Um, run the ball more and stick with it. I think the most important part of that is actually the and stick with it part. And I think that Shermer just needs to kind of get out of his own head and he needs to just start running the ball. Um, <laughs> the opening drive. Yeah. Uh, the third one for me is our inside linebackers. Because we've lost both of our starting inside linebackers, uh, those other inside linebackers on our roster need to step up and fill that void that's now being left by these starters that are now out. Jewel was already out. Johnson and Sternod were in. Well, now Johnson's out. So now we need all of these new guys to step up and fill that void. The, my fourth one here is the interior defensive line. We really need to start making these opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable. While I know that it's not necessarily in Vic Fangio's system to uh, get the extra penetration per se and actually get those sacks from the interior of the defensive line, you need to start collapsing that pocket and at least getting pressure on the quarterback to force them off that first read, even the second read, and then that'll allow your outside linebackers to get home and actually get those extra sacks and also allow your secondary to uh, get in position to bat down and get interceptions because you're going to force the quarterback to make bad decisions. <clears throat> Last but not least, we need to start throwing a little bit more to our tight ends and running backs as quick, short, fast passes in order to get the ball out of our quarterback's hands. It's going to help with the pass rush. It's going to be an extension of a running game, which we, again, I said, desperately need. And hopefully it'll get us to a, into a point where we can start negating the opposing team's pass rush because we did struggle with that in both the last, well, actually both all of our losses. We struggled with that pass rush through the, uh, primarily the interior, although we also had edge, uh, edge rushers get around both of our tackles in several of these games as well. Yeah, and you know it. It the coaching it, out of everything we said, guys. The number one thing that needs to get better and change is the coaching. Pat Shermer has to do better calling the plays. Vic Fangio has to let Ed Donatel run the defense from up in the booth. I believe Ed Donatel can do it because he knows all of Vic Fangio's schemes. They've been together long enough, and I have a feeling that if he can let him run the defense then Vic, that'll take a load off of Vic Fangio's mind and Vic Fangio can just concentrate on being the head coach, you know, and, and learning how to call timeouts when he needs to call his timeouts. So, uh, guys, with that being said, we're going to start wrapping things up here. Uh, Rich and I would like to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Thank you guys so you. much for, for joining us in the chat. And if you're joining us after the fact, listening to us, to us on audio, that's perfectly fine. Hope you guys have enjoyed the show. Uh, Rich and all, and I would also like to thank uh, the the Dogs podcast that came on and did our the Ma uh, the the Hot Five take. Thank you guys so much for your input. Links in the description. Yeah, so the links are in the description. And guys, just want to reiterate that if you enjoyed today's show, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button so you get live notifications whenever we go live here on Broncos Talk with Rich and myself. And if you enjoyed what you hear, we got more shows. 
We also have the MHRT uh, podcast, which airs every single Thursday at 7654 with myself, the boss, Mundungus, who you saw make a small cameo here today, the, the Glenn Hauser and the Mr. Boggins. And then, of course, on Fridays, we have the Nothing Rhymes with podcast with Johnny Baki and Isaiah Henderson, two great guys. They always have the best Broncos news, to, uh, the up-to-date Broncos news, I should say, uh, to get us getting ready before every single game day. And then, of course, we also have the pregame show, which is the neighborhood that airs before every single Broncos game. Uh, just keep in mind, guys, that this week, because the Broncos play on Thursday, there will be no neighborhood show, but there will be a very special MHRT show to get us ready and pumped for the Thursday night game against the Browns. So uh, with that, uh, Rich, let's get ready to do the uh, everybody's favorite <laughs> part of the show, the Mile High Five. For those of you that don't know, the Mile High Five, you hold out your hands, you yell out Mile High Five, and you clap them over your head. It's that simple. So Rich, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, here we go, guys. My high five! Woo! Guys, thank you guys so much. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and we will see you all next week. Hasta luego. Go Broncos.